part of what you know really lit up the Tea Party movement in um, the. <laughs> the dog is running. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dog pod. <laughs> We're leaving all of this in. <laughs> it's the bloopers cut. Hello and welcome to Peach Pod, a Georgia politics podcast. My name is Kyle Hayes and I am excited to be joined by two co-hosts today. I'm joined as always by Luke Boggs. How you doing, Luke? I'm doing good. Excited to talk about this debate. And then we are also joined by friend of the pod, Austin Wagner. Austin, thanks for coming on and joining us. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be here. Um, So on this episode, we're going to do just kind of a quick debate recap special. So uh, Karen Handel and John Ossoff, the two candidates in the special election for the Georgia 6th Congressional District, they had a debate on Tuesday night on WSB where they covered a variety of issues, pretty much everything that you would expect if you've been uh, following this campaign. Um, so we're just going to do a little debate special that covers everything they went through and and uh, what how it shapes the race going forward. Um, so Austin, how about we start with you? How about you just start us off with what your overall impression was? Who do you think was the winner? And what were some of the key moments that you thought um, when you saw this debate? Um, I mean, my bias might come in on, on who the winner was, but I think most of the time on these um, debates, I don't think either of them really lost. There was the one um, the one quote that's going to keep coming back, at least in Democratic circles, about Karen Handel and the she doesn't support a livable wage. Um, I think that's been the most talked about thing afterwards, at least in the on the Democratic side. But as far as a winner and the overall takeaway, I don't know, those, these debates are always kind of boring to me. We're always talking about the same stuff and it's the same lines. There's nothing really new. I don't think this really won any new voters on either side. I think it was kind of red meat to both sides for the most part. There were a few different things, but overall, I think it was just kind of status quo, what we'd expect. What about you, Luke? I really like debates. Uh, Partially, that's because I enjoy debating myself, and so I really like watching these things and seeing what we get from the candidates. In a lot of ways, though, even that being true, I agree with Austin that like most of the time, debates don't tell you a lot of things new. It only does, you know. There's the the famous line that like you don't really win debates; you only lose debates. And there's lots of instances throughout history of people who like just dramatically lose a debate. And I think I agree that like no one really lost this. I've seen the livable wage lying around a lot, but it's just like I can't imagine anyone who was undecided or sort of on the fence with both of these candidates like being like aha i now know what i want to do um and that's that's uh you know one thing that's really uh sad about the debate for me the only other thing i would really point out in you know austin hinted to it uh we did not be able just for scheduling reasons and how quickly we want to get this out get one of our republican friends on here so i asked a lot of my republican friends what they thought of the debate and pretty much everyone agreed that it was like what you're saying it's pretty standard pretty much what they expected and that karen handel really pushed hard her red meat line like john ossoff is literally nancy pelosi which has been my (laughs) biggest criticism of her campaign and that just like frustrated me beyond a doubt because it seems 
so stupid. <laughs> like, it just seems so sad and desperate for someone to just constantly make that attack. But... Um, from what my Republican friends say is that that's still an effective thing and that's a thing that still motivates Republican voters. And, you know, maybe maybe that's a takeaway from this is that Karen Handel's strategy, you know, is to play to the base and that this is a district that a Republican should win regardless of the situation. And that's why almost any question, you know, they could ask, you know, like, you know, Karen Handel, what do you think about uh, transportation policy? And she'd be like, well, you know, I know that my Nancy Pelosi-backed candidate, John Ossoff, who, by the way, really likes Nancy Pelosi, will do what Nancy Pelosi thinks he should do on transportation. Like, that was just, like, how she answered every single question, basically. Um, and I think the takeaway from that is, is that they are running a very conservative campaign, both in the fact that they're not taking risks and the fact that they are just, like, playing to the base, and that's what this performance was, and especially the line that she did not support a livable wage, clear sign that they're not really afraid of, you know, any sort of resistance backlash from that comment. Yeah, let's talk about this line a little bit. Um, It is definitely the one that really just kind of lit up Twitter, uh, it was one of the few, it might have been the only viewer question of the night, and it was a very basic question. They just asked, you know, does either candidate support... Does either candidate support a minimum wage increase? Mr. Ossoff starts with you. Yes, I do. The minimum wage should be a living wage. I think we can uh, raise it indexed to the cost of living because the cost of living varies widely in urban and rural areas and in different states across this country. I think that increase needs to be implemented at a pace that allows business owners uh, to adapt their business plans so they're not shocked. Their business plans are not shocked by a sudden increase in labor costs. But look, if someone's working a 40-hour work week, uh, they deserve the kind of standard of living that Americans expect. That's part of the American dream, and there are too many folks who are having trouble making ends meet. Minimum wage. This is an example of the fundamental difference between a liberal and a conservative. I do not support a livable wage. What I support is making sure that we have an economy that is is robust with low taxes and less regulation so that those small businesses that would be dramatically hurt if you impose higher minimum wages on them are able to do what they do best grow jobs and create good paying jobs for the people in the sixth district uh but she did sort of turn right around and take it on very directly when she said, you know, this is the primary difference between a liberal and a conservative. And then she said, literally, I do not support a livable wage. Um, I do think that this sort of got overplayed in the post game of this. I mean, sort of like y'all said, this is a very conservative district. It's also a district that um, I think the median income is like $70,000 a year. There really aren't a lot of you know, minimum wage employees that live in the Georgia 6th district. And if you were ever going to sort of lay out a stance that was more favorable to business owners than low-income workers, you would probably be safe to do that in the 6th congressional district. Um, But I think it does sort of, to me, it stood out for her not even really feeling like she needed to sort of hedge on that issue or, or feel like she needed to be in the middle. I mean, there are conservatives in the past who have said that they don't support an increase in the minimum wage, but when they want to show some concern for low-income workers, they'll say, well, but I do support an increase in the earned income tax credit. A friend of Karen Handel's, Paul Ryan, supported an increase in the earned income tax credit. Um, That was one of the few things that Paul Ryan and Barack Obama ever agreed upon when Obama was president. Um, But I do think that this is sort of limited in 
Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of just like pissed off liberals and they were sort of stuck on this idea. How could you not support a livable wage or a, a wage that somebody can live on? Um, but I do think that sort of missed in what is considered to be a gaffe about that question is sort of the second part of her answer. A lot of people on Twitter were like, you don't have to go beyond I don't believe in a livable wage. Uh, but the actual meat sort of in the policy under that answer is that she wanted this low tax, low regulation economy. And sort of ironically, on the same night, uh, the House of Representatives in Kansas overrode a veto from the governor of Kansas. Um, if you've been paying any attention to Kansas, you'd probably know that they tried what their governor considered to be a real life experiment in like pure conservative policy. And it backfired terribly. The Kansas economy has not caught up to the nation's economy in the way that other states have. Um, and so a Republican led house, which was shifted from the sort of tea party Republican to a moderate Republican combined with a bunch of Democrats to overrule and basically gut their governor's conservative policy experiment in recent years. And this is the kind of policy idea that Karen Handel was talking about in her reaction to this question. Um, and that sort of totally gets papered over because of the gaffe of the language. But I think that that's important to note um, that there is real policy underneath that that should be critiqued. Um, and I just think that, you know, the gaffe is really not that important. Yeah, I just, well, I find, well, yeah, I find it interesting that like how blatantly not just handle. I mean, it's it's something that's happened in the Republican Party over the past couple years. It's just like completely abandoned George W. Bush's 2000 campaign of compassionate conservatism. Like, there's just like no attempt at all to even be like, yeah, we care about poor people. It's just like, it's almost they've gone the other way around where they're like, yes, we blatantly do not care about poor people and we're proud of it. And that, that part of it's weird because that's sort of the tone that you know the special election in montana took as well with uh, greg giaforte and with you know karen handel now taking that as well it just it's strange to me just how blatant they're being with that and um you know like we you know like you said kyle and what we said the district is one that she could probably get away with that gaffe but it's just like i don't know if that's a smart strategy. I feel like that will lose you more support than it would gain you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, like we said, this this livable wage thing. It's more of a linguistics thing, and it, it's not any different than than what we've heard across the country from conservative circles. And it's exactly what you said. The difference between mostly you know liberal and conservative is supporting raising the minimum wage or keeping the minimum wage or abolishing or you know any of those those versions. Um, I think that. That argument's kind of been played out. I don't know about all the people. I'm ready for a conversation on universal basic income, but that's probably beyond uh, <laughs> the scope of this discussion. Um, but I think the other part of this answer in um, beyond the livable wage portion is is what she said right before, is talking about the basic difference between a liberal and a conservative. And the thing that stood out to me throughout this whole time is how often, and we talked, Luke, you said this at the beginning about the Pelosi side and the liberal thing, but how often handle try to throw the liberal Democrat or the San Francisco values or the Pelosi thing at John Ossoff to try to show that he was this uber radical liberal or something. And John Ossoff, I think he only said the word Republican or conservative or something like that when he was talking about how we'd want to work across the aisle with with uh, Republicans. Um, so it's interesting that that difference. And that's the, one of the notes that I took on this was beyond livable wage 
quote was just again trying to use the liberal phrase as the the negative to to John Ossoff there, which I guess kind of makes sense in the district, right? Like we talked about, it's a conservative district for the most part, and maybe the liberal tag will will hurt him, and he's you know avoided the labels and a lot of that stuff. But it was definitely was a strategy on her part to try to tag everything with liberal versus conservative. Yeah, the thing that stands out to me about that is just that it was kind of at least from a from a debate like a an optics perspective her arguments on those were just so forced and it's sort of like you know this ongoing ad from i think it's the congressional leadership fund or or some other republican affiliated pack where you see the john ossoff banners on um you know the streetcars and on the golden gate bridge in san francisco um it's just so forced in a way that i'm not sure is going to be really relevant i mean so part of what, you know, really lit up the Tea Party movement was that they had something really specific that they could kind of campaign against. And there was a real message there about small government and low taxes. And it it really does change when you go from being the opposition party to the governing party. And I didn't see that shift from Karen Handel tonight to or in the debate the other night to say, you know, actually, here's this list of things that if you send me to Congress, this is what I'm going to do. It's just that they've never gotten out of this opposition mindset. And when they are the party in power, uh, it just falls flat to me as a messaging point. I think we need to just admit the truth that Karen Handel is deeply, deeply, seriously concerned that John Ossoff is actually a 77-year-old woman from Baltimore originally that now is a congresswoman from California that has been wearing a wig this entire time. (laughs) Because that is the deeply held true impression I get from how they act. And it's just it's, John looks great for 77. He really does. I mean, the other thing, too, that's like so frustrating about this for me is that it's not even like she discusses like and and if he is actually Nancy Pelosi, that would be bad, not just because he's faking an identity, but because of blank and blank policy decisions. It's just like they're not even like that. I, I guess what it is is that since this is a special election and they're assuming they have to play their base so much that like they don't have to explain why being a liberal and Nancy Pelosi is a bad thing. <laughs> you know, like they don't take that extra step. But this actually leads me to think about something else that I find really interesting. I think if we're talking about this debate, we would be doing our viewers or listeners rather a disservice and be like incredibly biased if we did not talk about the fact that John Ossoff is not going to do a CNN debate. And the reason I want to bring this in uh, up is that there's been a lot of controversy since Ossoff initially challenged Karen Handel to do six debates Karen Handel agreed to four, and then he has agreed to two. One is still on the table, but one has been said to be a no, which is the Atlanta Press Club debate, which is if you follow Georgia politics at all, you know that basically everyone does the Atlanta Press Club debate. It is the debate in Georgia. It's a rite of passage. Yeah, like it's it's the debate. And Atlanta Press Club had wanted to partner with CNN because CNN, being CNN, definitely wanted to get in on the action of this thing. And so uh, that made him say no. Now, the reason that the campaign has said is that they wanted to focus on the 6th District and local issues and all that kind of stuff. Now, the reason that I bring that up is I think that the Nancy Pelosi thing and Ossoff's decision to not do that debate are connected entirely and it's for the reason that he said which is that he wants to keep it about local issues and 
believe it or not, the person that over the past couple days that I've heard defend this decision the best is Brian Robinson, the you know previous deal staffer for Governor Deal, because he on Georgia Political Rewind uh, did a you really. Say, what did he say? I didn't hear this. Yeah, yeah CNN really wanted to get involved in this contest, um, yeah. and I so I've said no. Uh, Brian, it it doesn't seem surprising. It so. It doesn't seem surprising Asaf would say no to that debate, does it? Why? Why? Why does that seem surprising? Because I mean, say, here's what it's about. This, the, uh, one that's going to have national audience is going to be about Trump. The whole debate is going to be about Trump. So what does that tell us about his polling? What does that tell us about his strategy? If you would think you know, the Democrats who are funding his campaign from New York and California, they want to see him go on CNN and bash Trump and talk about how crazy he is and, and how— we're embarrassing ourselves on the Paris Accord and across the board, whatever it is. That's what they want to hear. And but that's not what John Ossoff really wants to do in closing this race, does is he, Theron? But, that, but that's, that's the question, though. Uh, it shows that Trump is stronger in this district than Democrats want to let on. And it shows you that's why Karen Handel is, you know, being, being seen with them, having Pence come in and talking about supporting the president's agenda. But, yeah, I mean, he— kind of went out of his way to explain why this was probably a good idea for Ossoff to do, which is that if he goes on CNN, all they're going to want to talk about is Trump. Every single question will be about Trump. It will be about Russia. It will be about a bunch of things that John Ossoff does not want to talk about, which is not because it's not what his position is or it's you know a position he's trying to hide but it's not what the campaign is trying to get out and the message and the things that he wants to focus on if he becomes a congressman and so it's the idea that if he goes out there and has to go on CNN he's going to get a bunch of things that are you know a bunch of questions on what his like you know last priorities on his list are and the last things that he wants to do because he's very focused and his message has been very focused on bringing jobs to that community cutting waste in the government and like that's not what anyone in dc or anyone on cnn would want to talk about all they want to talk about is like did you see what james comey said today and stuff like that which he has no interest in now the reason i mention all that is that karen handel attacked him for this and the line that she took is a obviously far more critical and different view but i think it's worth discussing because i think it would be interesting to discuss her view is that john ossoff is hiding from the rest of the media and hiding from cnn because if he is only on georgia media and like wsb and you know the other georgia based debates that he's going to do then he does not have to like have the high profile conversation with the country that has kind of had been had for him that he is the child of the resistance summer that he is our great first hope to you know hurt trump and all that kind of stuff and that's why he's hiding that because Ossoff would either have to ditch what we saw last night, which is him being very reasonable and him trying to be middle of the road and being like, I'm going to work with the Republicans on things we agree with and I'm going to you know, hold these standards and these values, that that is somehow in opposition to what he would be if he went on CNN and went to a national debate. Discuss. <laughs> 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 yeah, here's the thing that that gets me on on that one is uh, we talked about it the whole time. The the greatest hits from from Karen Hand on this debate was he's 
working with Pelosi. He's got supporters from California, Massachusetts, and New York. He's getting money from there, and his values are 3,000 miles away in San Francisco. You know, again, painting the, you know, uber-liberal, left-wing, radical Ossoff, that that's who he really is. But then at the same time saying the reason he doesn't want to do CNN is because he'd show that he's not the real liberal John Ossoff, that he's the John Ossoff that we're seeing tonight. So to me, it's, it's like this this split here. It's like, which is it? Is he the... Is he the Pelosi liberal that's going to do whatever she says? Or is he the person that we're seeing here? You're trying to say that he'd, he'd be in trouble if he go to CNN to show him true, show, show his true self. Yet at the same time, trying to say that he's this, you know, crazy liberal in this, this debate. It just didn't make sense to me. You know, if, if that's the thinking inside the Ossoff campaign, that's nonsense. If you think that you can't go on CNN, I mean, I think one of the best things that Ossoff could do is go on CNN, they ask him a whole bunch of questions about Trump and be like, look, you know what, you're the national media, you don't exist down here in the 6th District, I'm not going to talk about Trump anymore, I'm going to talk about the issues important to this district. And then if all of the national audience, all they want to see is Ossoff be the leader of the resistance, then Ossoff should take pride in boring that audience to sleep as he talks about the same things that he's been talking about on the trail. I don't think that that should be a realistic concern for him. And I don't think, you know, I mean, if C- I don't think CNN is going to show up and just not ask a single question about any local. Have you watched CNN, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and if they do, then he can just blow off the questions. What does it matter? So then he's not beholden to the national media. But the thing that I, I pointed this out on Twitter, I think that, you know, ditching the CNN debate is a mistake, um, you know, because if if that's his thinking, you know, what's the alternative? Well, the alternative turned out to be this bad news cycle for him where he did get, um, you know, hit by the media for not participating in the debate. And it was clear he's been quoted in the media saying when he was criticizing Handel for skipping debates saying, you know, I'm up for it anytime. Let's do it. Um, I don't think that there's downside to him in a CNN debate. And if it turns out that, he gets on CNN and he is trying to push the sort of moderate messaging that he's been pushing in the local area and national liberals get upset with him. I mean, they've already donated a bunch of money to him. It's not as if he needs more money in the last two weeks of this race. Um, so what does it matter what national liberals think of him? Yeah. And if the national liberals turn against him, there's a decent chance that it actually could help him in the district with a certain group of voters. I mean, I agree though. I, I don't think, I think it was a bad idea not to do the CNN debate, especially after the rhetoric that we had heard about. Like you said, I'll, I'll debate you anywhere, anytime kind of thing. Like, I want six debates. You don't want any. Why are you scared of debating me? And then she agrees to some. And he's like, oh, well, actually not that one. I don't want to do that one. And I can kind of get the idea that, oh, let's try to keep it local. Let's keep it local issues and not national issues. I don't want to be beholden to the national media. But like you said, going on national media and saying exactly that and turning every question into a local question is a perfect opportunity to show that he's not going to be beholden to what every other person is and going on CNN and throwing the red meat there. It's coming back and saying, no, I'm going to care about the people here in Georgia. And here's why. And you asked about Trump, but let's turn it around. I think like you said, I think it's a, I think it's a perfect could have been a perfect opportunity for him to turn it into something positive, but now it's just been now Ossoff scared to debate. I think though we should we should dig into a little bit of the substance of this debate and sort of where some of the contrasts came out between these two candidates. Um, one of the ones the contrast that stood out to me very early 
Um, and I'm not going to jump right into Obamacare because I know we overdo Obamacare on this show. But, it's important, um, Kyle. 24 difference. million people <laughs> might lose health insurance. It, That's not a small thing. It's why we talk about it so much. Yeah, and 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 we will we will get to it, but. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the difference in foreign policy between these two candidates. And this was one of the moments that if you were like really looking for some sort of policy substance, I thought you could see it here. Um, So basically, Ossoff challenged Handel in Handel's decision to criticize Barack Obama for trying to launch some strikes against the Syrian regime after a chemical weapons attack in 2013. This is when Barack Obama ultimately ditched his own red line uh, because he uh, felt like, you know, striking Syria would either get the U.S. sucked into a war that they didn't want to be a part of or that they just the administration just hadn't thought it all the way through. Um, Ossoff said that he was critical of Obama then about his failure to strike Syria to uphold the U.S.'s opposition to chemical weapons use, and that he supported Donald Trump when he did the same thing, which was issue a relatively limited strike um, and, you know, in response to another chemical weapons attack. He criticized Handel for being critical of of Obama and then being supportive of Trump. Um, But it was interesting what Handel said as to why she said that she supported Trump but opposed Obama. She claimed that Trump had a real strategy to go in there and finally be serious and not lead from behind on the Syria issue in a way that Barack Obama didn't. But what's interesting about that claim is that it's actually a major break from what Trump said during the campaign. Trump said that Syria is fighting ISIS and that what we should be doing is focusing on ISIS and not focusing on Syria. And then the moment that... Um, that there's this chemical weapons attack and Trump sees dying children on TV, he flips course and changes his mind, but he hasn't issued some sort of like major American policy shift towards the Syria issue. Um, And so I thought this was a major uh, point where you can see their difference in thinking and where Ossoff could actually back up his claim that he is, you know, supportive of this American principle that chemical weapons attacks are wrong no matter who the president is and handle sort of flip-flopped on the issue uh, when the president was of a different party. I think I think what you're trying to say there Kyle I'm going to say it for you is that Karen Handel lied. Is <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're trying to say. And you know at, it's the same thing she did on healthcare and that's you know something we can get into later as you said but it's just like it's obvious to me that Karen Handel's strategy after this debate is I'm going to be the most Republican Republican plague of the base as much as I possibly can because, you know, as has been pointing out, Karen Handel did not get as many votes as John Ossoff did. And if everyone that showed up that voted for John Ossoff the first time shows up again and he gets just a little bit more, then, like, he probably beats Karen Handel. Now, that's hard because that district is overwhelmingly Republican. So, theoretically, it would be a lot easier for Karen Handel to pick up all the other Republican voters who voted for another Republican than for John Ossoff, who is a Democrat, to pick up Republicans. So, like, even though he has to get less people, they're harder for him to get than her. So, I mean, to me, what it seems like her strategy is, is that I'm going to get every single Republican... And that she's going to keep all of those Republicans excited by feeding them the red meat that they want to hear, which is Donald Trump is great and everything he does is awesome and everything Obama did. Remember him? Don't you hate him? Yeah, you do. And I hate him too. 
Like, that seems to be her strategy. It's just like, you know, playing the, you know, uh, Republican playbook from 2010 and 2014 and, you know, just running with that. And uh, I think it's it's not nuanced, but, you know, that also means it's really simple. So sometimes in campaigning, simple works. So if she wins, I would not be surprised if the takeaway is that she played to the base very successfully and she didn't piss any Republicans off. And so, the, you know, the loyal soldiers of Republican voters showed up for her. Yeah, I think I, I had to keep reminding myself that that's kind of the, the look here, right, is that she's got to get this whole Republican district to kind of coalesce around her when it didn't necessarily do that in the primary. Of course, she won the most votes of you know, she was a second place vote getter. So of course she's here, but there are definite areas where she could have done better. And we won't get into that now. You know, we've got stuff coming on that later, but I wrote down plenty of times just on that. It was, it was the red meat. I wrote down greatest hits on Obama and, you know, all those kinds of those same kind of issues. Like you said, it's the, it's the playbook that we've been seeing when they were the opposition party running against Obama. It was just those, those same things. And I think, I think Ossoff here was, was smart in his answers, you know, again, looking at what he's got to do to try to win over some of the Republicans in the district, you know, this is an area where he criticized, um, criticized Obama and how he handled the red line and, and Syria, and then supported Trump on this one particular point, um, and tried to give the nuance here and then carrying over into, um, and the Iran discussion as well, when he basically refused to answer the yes or no question, which I've seen him apparently getting in trouble for because he didn't just say yes or no. But it's kind of a thing. It's like <laughs> he said, these things are hard. Like saying we're going to war is not just a, a yes or no question. There's a lot of things that have to be talked about and a lot of a lot of nuance that's here. So I thought that was 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 smart from him. And it's also the the best line I think from Ossoff was the national security shouldn't be shouldn't be partisan. It shouldn't matter who the party is. And we've heard it other places, but. I thought it was a smart line, especially given how often Handel kept going back to the, the liberal thing, including in this foreign policy. Yeah, I think it's interesting to bring in uh, the, you know, their their other big significant difference on foreign policy here, which was on the Iran deal. Uh, John Ossoff said that he supported the Iran deal. He said that to this point, he, his understanding is that Iran has been upholding the deal. Um, that is something that has been confirmed by Bob Corker, a Republican senator from Tennessee. It's also been confirmed by the Republican Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, who sort of switched Trump's position on this issue. Trump campaigned on basically ripping up the Iran deal on day one. And then, you know, there were a lot of people in the foreign policy establishment who said, well, you know, actually, the Iran deal is working. Iran is complying with the deal. And, you know, as long as this is the case, um, and they must feel comfortable enough with sort of the monitoring regime that's in place to monitor whether or not Iran's actually complying, then actually, the Trump administration should keep the course that the Obama administration set. Um, And Karen Handel flatly you know, was wrong or, you know, at least needs to cite some more better sources to prove this point. But she said that it is a fact that the Iran deal has been violated by Iran. Um, And I don't know, that's not the, uh, you know, that's not the assertion of anybody aside from like her and Paul Ryan. Um, Even the administration has come to a different view on that. So what you're saying again is that Karen Handel lied about the Iran deal not being followed. (laughs) I'm sensing a theme here. How about uh, about we get to our red meat, which is the 
Obamacare and the American <laughs> hey, Healthcare Hey, that's a great Act. plan um, so this thing was... it has, right? It covers pre-existing conditions. It's, you know, great. None of the problems are there. And somehow Karen Handel's seen it because I haven't and none of the singers have seen it. So it's, it's quite the impressive thing uh, to think about that. Now, actually, I want to give her a little bit Ooh. more credit on that than that. There, There is reporting this week <laughs> that, you know, about what the Senate is considering doing. It's actually important that this reporting exists because the Senate appears to be going on a similar path to the House, which is going to, you know, if they end up proposing the ideas, the same ideas that the House did, then it's going to have the same problems as what CBO decided on the House bill. But um, just to sort of open up this issue for anybody who hasn't paid close attention, uh, basically, both both candidates were asked about their position on the American Health Care Act, which is the Republican proposal that passed the House of Representatives. And um, John Ossoff laid out the case that is confirmed by the Congressional Budget Office that the plan as passed the House does not include protections for people with pre-existing conditions um, and that it's going to lead to uh, potentially 23 million people losing health insurance because of the decreases in the financial support that people get to buy insurance on the private market and the slow unwinding of the Medicaid expansion, which, uh, as I always note, Georgia did not take. Um, and then Handel laid out that basically she didn't believe what the CBO was asserting. And then uh, when pinned down on pre-existing conditions, she brought up her sister and the fact that her sister has a pre-existing condition and seemed to get very, you know, visually offended that Ossoff would, you know, make the claim that somehow Karen Handel doesn't care about pre-existing conditions. Um, but Karen Handel never actually explained or sort of comes to terms with what every other analyst on both sides of the aisle seems to agree about the bill that passed the house and about some of these proposals that are being considered in the Senate all you know, analysts across the spectrum believe that this proposal would not protect people with pre-existing conditions, and Karen, you know, didn't make a convincing argument in the other direction, and and that stands as a really significant difference between these two candidates. Well, I mean, I think the other thing is, and this is my frustration, is that she spoke a lot of of a mythical Senate plan, as if this was a thing that people could see. And as far as I'm aware, there is no plan that the Senate has produced. Now, like you said, Kyle, there's obviously been reporting about what a plan might be, but there has not been a plan. So, and here's here's the thing. And uh, several Republican legislators have done this, and it's been very, very frustrating to me. I don't care if your family members have pre-existing conditions. Mine do. If you vote for a bill, that takes away... The provisions that protect people with it, I don't care what your family has, and don't try to make me sympathetic for you because you are hurting a lot of people, including my family, so I'm not going to just believe you because you say that your family member has a pre-existing condition. And hopefully Karen Handel won't just believe Trump or any of the other Republicans that say, oh, it's going to be fine, because that's sort of been their mentality with how they were going to... to repeal and replace Obamacare from the first day that Obamacare was passed. That they've always said, we're going to make it better. How? We're going to make it better. It's going to be great. And, you know, it's it's frustrating to me that no one challenged, including Ossoff, her on the statement that the Senate plan covers pre-existing conditions because there is no Senate plan. 
Yeah, I thought Ossoff could have done actually better here. I know he talked about, you know, that's not what the house says, some of this stuff. But I think he could have pushed on it more. Um, I think on this, too, this is more of a, a style thing, I guess, when uh, Karen Handel was talking about her um, her sister. It was her sister, right, with the pre-existing so. condition. Yeah, um, so. Yeah, so I think it was one of the moments, and Ossoff did this a couple times, where he was he was writing down a lot of stuff on his pad, not not seeming like he was really paying attention to what was being said. I'm sure he was listening, but it's that whole thing in a debate where you've got that split screen and people are watching and, and we talk about substance doesn't always come across, but the style can make a difference. I thought it was uh, kind of unfortunate that Ossoff was sitting there taking notes on this stuff when, you know, Karen Handel's trying to make an important point about her, you know, family member who might have a pre-existing condition and, and then simultaneously being completely wrong about what's actually being covered. But I think also just between that and then how his answer was, I think he could have done a little bit better on, on pushing back on that that whole part that that's that's not what we've seen at all and there isn't a Senate plan and the House plan doesn't cover pre-existing conditions. So you're hurting your own sister if that's what's happening. If you're going to support the plan that's there, you're going to hurt your own sister. And I know he talked about, he gave the story of, I think, the seven-year-old who's been out with his campaign and stuff like that. And I think that that kind of stuff is great. It works really well. Um, and it's real stories. It's what's actually happening. But I think he could have, he definitely could have pushed more on it. I, I thought he kind of left it hanging there when she's basically lying about what's in the plan and he kind of let it go. Yeah, I think part of the reason he did that is that he used the second half of his healthcare answer to pivot to the Komen issue. Yeah. Um, and, we, and we've and we talked a little bit about the Komen issue before, but he basically, he did sort of lay it out more cleanly than I've seen it in any other places to this point where he basically said he's not actually going to, you know, lay out for sure one way or the other what the case is. There is some ambiguity as to whether well, or not. Well, Kyle, could you Karen go Handel... through what that whole issue is? Because I know some people probably don't know it as well. Yeah. So, um, so basically, what this issue is is that Karen Handel, after she ran for governor, she went to work for the Susan G. Komen Fund. Um, while at the Susan G. Komen Fund, which is a which is an organization, a nonprofit that raises money and raises awareness for breast cancer. Um, she was a part of a decision to remove funding from the Komen Fund for Planned Parenthood. Um, she claims that she was a part of a team that you know was tasked with coming up what the foundation could do because there were concerns about money going to Planned Parenthood. But if you've been paying attention to Republican politics recently, you'll know that Planned Parenthood is also in a, a target from conservatives and particularly religious conservatives because of where they stand on abortion and because they're a very visible proponent for reproductive rights. Um, now, you know, after this, after there was some fallout from this decision where um, a lot of people in the women's health community got upset that Komen was what they thought was playing a political game about why they were removing funding and support from Planned Parenthood. Karen Handel ultimately resigned. Um, and I think there is some ambiguity as to whether or not she, you know, was pushed out or, or whether or not she resigned on her own and how much, how integral she was to this effort. I don't even know that the details of, of that actual event are so important as the difference between the way Karen Handel has laid out her role in this in the past, um, you know, shortly after she resigned from the common fund, she said that she was proud to have led this effort. And then now on the campaign trail, she's trying to say, well, I was just a part of the decision. I wasn't the leader. 
And this was checked by PolitiFact and, and what Ossoff said in the debate was rated as mostly true by PolitiFact, where he said, you know, it's either one way or the other. You said you either let it, which is what you said in 2012, or you said that, oh, you weren't really a big part of it, which is what you're saying now. Um, and the fact that she is not actively defending it in a way that I thought that she might, um, I think is pretty telling because we talked about this before, but it is part of conservative orthodoxy when you believe in shaping civil society and non-governmental organizations in a way that complies with your political, religious, you know, whatever beliefs that you have, um, you know, that that is something that conservatives aspire to do is to shape civil society in a way that represents their own beliefs. And that to me would be a great, you know, explanation of her saying that she was proud to have led that effort because that fits in with the way other conservatives see civil society. And now to me, it feels political for her to say, eh, you know, it, I was just kind of a part of it. I was just there. And, and, you know, politics was the reason I didn't want to stay. Yeah. I mean, this, this issue is probably the most interesting one to me for some reasons, because I was struck at the beginning of this campaign, like back before even the first vote, when I saw a palm card from Ossoff's campaign and then went onto his website, supporting funding for Planned Parenthood was the first bullet on this palm card and, you know, one, on one side of it. And so this is one issue that over the past decade has changed pretty significantly. And it's an issue that you would think in a district that is this Republican that he would not be this outspoken on it. And it's the one place where he has been a, you know, full-throated, uncompromising progressive. And I just find it interesting how quickly it's changed in that, you know, basically for Karen Handel back in 2012, she could see absolutely no downside uh, in promoting this decision and promoting what she, uh, her role in it. And now it's something that she dodged very heavily. Because, I mean, I, I know you said it, but, like, she really dodged this in a significant way during this debate. It was one of the, you know, a few times where I felt like she was on the defensive from something that Ossoff had actually said. Uh, you know, she really... And she says he's lying yeah, about Yeah, she's too, li- obviously, right as I've been saying all night, Carrie Handel was lying about something again. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just like... There, there she, she goes, goes again. again. She put the Reagan in. <laughs> yeah. Because she had to, you know, she had to, it is a requirement if you're a Republican candidate to use the Ronald Reagan line in any and every debate yes. that you get into. And but she didn't use it. Which it would have actually been no, really great to do because she could have been like, there you go again, Nancy. I mean, Ossoff. No, she, oh, did. she did. She said it? that. She didn't say Nancy, but. Yeah, she used the line because I laughed ah. when I heard it, and I was like, "Of so course." So what happens when you listen at two times speed? You, you miss those little zingers. Um. <laughs> you gotta watch it live. Take it in with your popcorn. Yeah. yeah. Now I think it, it's interesting. Again, and we'll go back to this. Her retort to Ossoff talking about exactly what you said about the the press, and you know, it has to be one or the other. She was like, "Well, this is just like liberals to try to pull on that, and you can't believe everything in the press," and. I was like, come on, like, yeah. just answer the question. And I get it. Like, she doesn't want to, obviously. If she did, then she would have already answered it. But to go, she just jumped right back to the, well, you're just a liberal, John. And always John, by the way. That was interesting. Um, I think this was the, the biggest part of the John versus Secretary Handel um, when they were 
talking to each other. But also, and then just hitting on the press again. It's like, okay, we're jumping on that bandwagon too. Can't trust these people that are sitting in front of me asking me these questions. So, I don't know. The question I have, though, just to to wrap on this topic is, if if we feel like Karen Handel is playing to the base, which is a lot of what she did, and it, it frames a lot of the reason why she lays out the arguments about Pelosi and liberals and outside money and all that stuff, why won't she defend the Komen decision? Because it is in line with what I would think her constituents, you know, her supporters would want her to do. And it's true that there is not a Planned Parenthood clinic in that actual district. It's something that she can say. It's it's also true that there's one slightly outside and that Planned Parenthood refers people to, to other providers too. But I just don't, this is sort of a weird thing to me where she is awkwardly trying to have it both ways. And if she is just playing a turn the base campaign, um, she must feel like even this issue must turn off her base a little bit or that, or she's just making a tactical mistake. I, th- I think it's because like I was saying earlier that this issue has changed. Like this used to be a really strong, reliable base issue. And I bet in a lot of other Republican districts, it very well might still be, but this is a district that is, you know, it's in Atlanta. Like most of this thing is in Atlanta. This is not a rural district. It's a highly educated district. It's a highly wealthy district. And the issue like Planned Parenthood is just not as important to these folks as taxes, infrastructure spending, things that they think will help their bottom lines. And like Planned Parenthood is not something that they really care about either way, I think. I think most of the voters in this district are probably ambiguous because they're not lower income individuals that need a Planned Parenthood for, you know, mammograms and other routine health procedures, not just abortions. And they're not, you know, a rural you know, evangelical voter who gets really fired up about these things. This is just not an issue that's important to them. I think that is a sign of what the district is. I think I saw something that said that, like, the Komen is, is hurting to the tune of, like, $74 million. I'd have to look it up exactly because of they broke off this relationship with Planned Parenthood. You think she's trying to avoid any questions about the fact that she actually hurt the bottom line? there by by this I mean, decision i, I, I would i, I would know. say just, so you know because i i will admit my ignorance that i don't know a whole lot about the Komen situation just besides the fact that they used to send money to planned parenthood and then they stopped doing it like that's the extent of my knowledge but assuming what you just said is true then like yeah i mean it seemed like she was trying to get away from just the not you know the defunding of planned parenthood element of it and it seems like she was trying to distance uh, her time there as much as she possibly could. Now, th- there's two other things that I want to talk about. One was the question that Karen Handel asked John Ossoff, which was, who are you voting for? Uh, which is a not veiled remark at all towards the fact that John yeah. Ossoff cannot vote for himself because he does not live in the 6th District. Gotta say, gotta say, I loved his response. The, but, the opening to it, he just left that left that pause. And it was just like, is that the question? You know what's funny is in that pause, I I sat there. That pause did hang there for a while. (laughs) It did. What I really wanted him to say was, you know, Karen, I was actually considering voting for you, but unfortunately I can't vote in this race. (laughs) Well, his answer was better, but I would have liked it. I loved his response, but that's like a blatant liberal blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, The other thing is, why 
if you could talk about anything, any question, I think this just shows how tired this campaign is, is that that is the question they're like, yeah, that's how we're going to get him. We're going to remind people that he doesn't live in the district, which has been pretty well covered, and I think everyone knows. Because here's the thing, and this is this is sort of the big issue for me with Karen Handel's approach in this debate and a lot of what I've seen from the campaign, is it seems tired. This seems to me like someone who has run for five positions in you know, the past, what, six years? Is it, What was it? What's the stat, you know, that they they talk about a lot? Like, this is just, like, the most uh, uninspired Republican campaign I can ever imagine. It's just, like like we've said before, but, you know, I think it's... It's not only just like the greatest hits against Obama, it's not even the greatest hits against Nancy Pelosi, it's just like the Republican greatest hits. It's like, guess what guys, I'm a Republican, I'm gonna lower taxes, I'm gonna attack my opponent for not living in the district and being an outsider, I'm gonna attack Nancy Pelosi, I'm gonna attack the you know, Obamacare. It's just like, there's nothing that makes me think that like you literally could have put up a you know you know that internet amalgamation of like the words that you said a lot this year and like that's like how you could have scripted her debate responses it's just like what every republican in the country synthesized down into a single human being would say and that just to me is just really really boring (laughs) and i think that questioning that being what she wastes her question on is probably the like greatest proof of that yeah, I think just one, the strategy on this, like you said, the strategy on this is the the one question you're going to ask is a thing that's probably been talked about almost the most in this campaign about John Ossoff is that he can't vote for himself. I mean, we read it all the time and just on the argument itself, I hate this argument. I think it's a stupid argument. Like, what district do you represent? I live at the edge of a district. I'm closer to three other congressional districts than the furthest end of the district I live in. Like... Do I represent, if I was running, would I represent those people at the other end of my district better than the ones I'm like 10 minutes away from? I think it's, I mean, I get it. It's a good political heat to give him that he doesn't live in the district that he's going to represent. I don't know if he is, though. I think he's got a good answer. Well, it's good for the people that are going to vote for her anyways. I don't think it's going to win anyone else, but it's going to get people out there to be like, oh, this guy thinks he can represent us, but he doesn't even live here. Like It's the same thing. It's not going to win the people that were on the fence anyways, because I think most people are going to see it as a stupid attack. I think there's been polling on this too that shows the same thing, but it's going to rile up some people that are going to get out there to vote that maybe maybe weren't before, but I just think the argument's done. And I, I, I'm super... I know we've talked yeah, about this before. I'm super biased on this, but I really wish that his response to that question, keep the opening the same way, but his response would have been a... And this is why gerrymandering is really stupid, because... The fact that he lives just like across the line. Be like, if we were drawing the lines in a sane, reasonable way, I would be in this district. But because we're not, uh, you know, that's why. And it's actually kind of surprising to me that Ossoff hasn't hit gerrymandering more. I mean, obviously, it's something that states do rather than U.S. congressmen do. But, I mean, it's something that the U.S. Congress could address. And just since so much else of his message has been so firmly focused on anti-corruption and good governance and stuff like that, it would have been a good opportunity to hit her on that. Um, So I was... I was disappointed in that, but I think that was probably me just having very unreal expectations that that's where he would take it. But it's where I would have taken it. 
especially with that he said the thing he wouldn't negotiate on right too, exactly index. and it could have been a good it could have been a good connection and congress can do stuff on it right like about multi I mean, they could do whatever they want congress and congress like could help do whatever they want there's a lot of things that they could make it an issue they haven't made it an issue but yeah i mean i think that's that's the hard thing too these debates we want to talk about what's happening in georgia but we do have to remember sometimes like the Congress people can only do so much with what the Georgia legislature is going to do. That's a whole other thing. But I saw that with the, the minimum wage thing, too. People are talking about what Georgia's minimum wage is. I'm like, well, if Ossoff gets elected, he's going to be dealing with a federal minimum wage. Let's remember that there's that that difference there. But Yeah, and in a, Georgia, the, the Georgia minimum wage doesn't mean much because it's lower yeah. than the federal minimum wage. Um, the I want to get back to this idea that Karen Handel missed an opportunity here when when she sort of wasted her question on this idea and and I I floated this in our our group chat today that if there was an issue that I think Karen could prosper by pinning John Ossoff down on is to sort of go right into this this thing that Ossoff is trying to do when he's where he's trying to be a very you know passionate liberal to people who want him to be a passionate liberal and a moderate or maybe even slightly conservative person to you know, the people in the district who, you know, maybe typically vote for Republicans, but might be angry at Trump. One of the things that I think Handel could point out that she really hasn't pointed out, at least as far as I've seen, is that John Ossoff has made a very big deal about his belief that there is a lot of wasteful federal spending out there. Um, he has an accountability plan where he laid out $16 billion in immediate cuts that come from a, a government accountability office report. And then over the long run, he's laid out that over 10 years, you could actually cut $600 billion. Those sound like really big numbers. And to some extent, they are. And, you know, he makes, I think, a good point about, you know, this is sort of this really might be some wasteful spending. But that allows him to sort of look like he is passionate about and really wants to reduce or eliminate the federal deficit and, and really address the debt over the long term. But when you actually take a look at the issues with the debt and what some of the long-term drivers are of debt, it actually is within sort of the major safety net and and programs for the elderly, Social Security and Medicare, and, and to some extent Medicaid, although not as much. Um, and to, if you are somebody, and I don't feel this way, but if you are somebody who cares really deeply about addressing the debt, it actually, to be considered to have a serious plan on this, you actually have to do, make changes in those programs. And Ossoff's, you know, spending plan and accountability plan that he's put out doesn't actually touch those things at all. And, you know, the Paul Ryan wing of the party that I think Karen Handel really wants to associate herself with actually has been very clear that they want to apply long-term cuts to Medicare and Social Security um, as a way to constrain the federal debt. I think that's bad policy, but they've made their position very clear on that. And Ossoff is trying to have it both ways to some extent. And that is one where I think Handel could go, you know, if she cared about actually messaging and persuading or reminding conservatives and moderate conservatives about, you know, why they should vote for her instead of, you know, maybe voting for Ossoff just because they're pissed at Trump. This would be a way in which she could set herself apart in a way that I think would pay off for her for the people that she wants to vote for her. And that I think is something that she, you know, I think somebody told us in the chat today was that's a little too nuanced and it is much more complicated than the idea that, uh, you know, he doesn't live in the district, but you know, this could show her as being prepared as being serious and, you know, as you know, really living up to 
the resume that she wants to tout by being serious about policy issues. And instead, you know, she whiffed on it and decided to try to score a cheap political. Sorry. Uh, I think one of the, the, one of the moderators even got on what you said too. Like, okay, 600 billion, but the percentage of that, that percentage of the debt isn't really going to do anything. Like what, what is it really going to do? And he just talked about, you know, cutting waste and that kind of stuff. And I thought that was, it was interesting because when he started, when he did talk about it, when he talked about wanting to, to cut the, the waste and what he got, he got pushback on it, not from Karen Hanna, but from, from the moderator. So I think there was an opportunity for her to do something there. Like you said, that could have been a good, a good question. Cause obviously even the moderators were like, well, let's actually use this opportunity to push back on what you're really saying here. But she didn't, she didn't take that, that chance. Yeah. And this actually brings me to the other point that I said I wanted to bring up is that, this whole debate was really interesting to me because there was one just like giant exception. There was one thing in this debate that I was kind of curious if it would be a bigger part of the conversation. It just really wasn't. It was completely absent, which it, I realized it's sort of absent from Karen Handel's campaign as well. And this kind of goes back to what I've been talking about with her being wanting to be a generic Republican and just like be a very tired and it feeling like a very tired campaign to me. And that's part of the reason why I feel like she can address this issue of the plan that Ossoff has come out with, because it's not in her message to like criticize him on anything but him being literally Nancy Pelosi. And like if you start talking about his plans, then you're not talking about the fact that he's actually Nancy Pelosi. Um, but the point that I want to make is the fact that I might be wrong, but I did not hear any serious discussion of Karen Handel's record as an elected official. And I thought that was really, really odd. She did. She talked about but it. But none she of their questions about balancing about, the like, time. Oh, none of their questions. Yeah, not really. Uh, I know she yeah. talks about it though. I mean, she talked about her time, but it's just like yeah. the fact that like, she really wasn't held to account like they both seem like this was the first time they had ever run for office, like from the questions that they got and from a lot of their, you know, their statements. Cause I know that Karen Handel has talked about her time in you know, office. Um, she talked a lot about being on the Fulton board, but she didn't really talk about secretary of state at all, which I find very interesting. I just don't know how much of that translates to being a member of Congress. I mean, you could maybe talk about some voter integrity issues or, um, you know, or there might be a tie in if you get, uh, if you start talking about the Russia stuff and, and meddling with the right. election. Well, but yeah, I mean, I, to some extent, or it I, makes sense it, it for Karen Handel not to talk about it. I'm just surprised that neither Ossoff or the moderators really talked about her being secretary of state. Like that's. Well, I think Ossoff, I mean, I know a lot of the criticisms of Ossoff, I think, um, I'm blanking on his name right now in the AJC, he's talking about um, how Handel has the experience and Ossoff has none. He's just talking about it and she's actually done it. So I think from strategically, you'd have to think Ossoff might be a little worried talking about some of it because it would highlight the fact that he's a baby. Know, <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's pretty young. I mean... I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No, it's and millennial not. me will say that it's okay, you know, and this argument is kind of a, a stupid argument. I mean, the guy's not an idiot. The guy obviously knows what he's talking about. He talked more nuance at the debate than Karen Handel did. Um, but does he have the same experience? No, he obviously doesn't. He can't. He's much younger than she is. So I don't know. I think that might highlight it if he tried to bring it up and might 
it could backfire. I don't think it necessarily would, but there's there's the potential. It's kind of like let other people talk right. about that. I guess that's true. It makes sense. Which they yeah, didn't. It's just weird that they didn't, I think. Because, again, it makes sense for what Karen Handel's trying to do. Because it's actually interesting because the, the Fulton board thing was like the only time where I felt like Handel, besides the Planned Parenthood issue, was trying to moderate herself because she's like, oh, I worked with Democrats. It was great. It was majority Democrats, and I did a great job, and, you know, everything was awesome. Well, how about this? Let's have a Democratic president, Democratic majority in Congress, and let's let Karen go to Congress and work with that those That seems Democrats. fair. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> um, so let's uh, wrap up with, you know, there's going to be at least one more of these, um, maybe two more, maybe three, if Ossoff changes his mind on the Atlanta Press Club thing um but you know is there anything that we saw in this first debate that is going to tip us off to what we might see in the rest of these or or is there any ground that either of these candidates need to make up uh as we get close to election day i just hope karen handel has some different lines if we have you know we have some more like i don't know how many times she could repeat the same thing about the your values are 3,000 miles away in San Francisco, which, by the way, San Francisco is 2,500 miles away. Just did a little <laughs> yes. fact check on that. Um, so, you'd be, Wait, you, so what you're saying you'd is be she, in lied. The, she lied. <laughs> yes, she lied, and you'd be in the ocean. You <laughs> values are in the ocean off of San Francisco. <laughs> no, I mean, I know, like, we talked about that question that she gave, the, the you know, about who you're going to vote for. It was just the way to set up the answer that she read off her script. Yeah, um, I really wish... And I think going forward... I, w- I wish there would be someone like just slightly off yeah. stage that could just do rim shots like every time she mentions Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, I mean, we know the drinking yeah. game for next time, right? We I would mean, die. Pelosi, San Francisco, liberal... Yeah, my liver I know. can't handle that. <laughs> we couldn't handle it. I mean, we that's couldn't that's handle I think it. She needs... Uh, <laughs> she, oh, I oh. didn't even mean to make the pun. Um, well, we'd be required to drink our ass uh, off, so... Oh, this is awful. Go. All right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're the worst no but i think she needs some new material though and she needs to stop reading so from the we. paper um that's true as well um but yeah i mean i think going forward i think we're going to hear the same stuff um i mean and that's the thing at this point in this campaign it's going to be a turnout thing more than anything I, else really I, I don't believe that the minds are going to be changed enough from this or any of the future debates unless there's some major gaffe and the livable wage isn't going to do it you know that's not that's not enough to do anything. So unless something crazy happens, I don't know. Maybe I'm cynical about what debates are actually going to do, but I don't think it's going to change anything. Yeah. Unless somebody says something really yeah, stupid. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. Um, now here's the one, the, how I'd like to wrap up. What's a question that you guys would have liked Ossoff to answer, and what's a question you would have liked Handel to answer? I would like Ossoff to answer that uh, debt question i think it would what specifically though i think it would the, signal because I, I wanted to push back what? earlier when you were talking about this like i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that john ossoff is not presenting a plan for him as a congressman to single-handedly like solve the american debt problem he's just like this would help and like i i fundamentally am no, like i don't i don't pro, either like this is a decent plan that would help save money and like even if it doesn't solve the debt problem if it helps like that's not a bad thing yeah i don't i don't either and actually i wouldn't if Ossoff came out and was like actually you know what you're right the debt is a major problem so we need to increase the retirement age for medicare and you know or or do a voucher program for it or whatever that 
you know, conservatives have proposed, I think that if he was to adopt that, either he is actually a Republican, uh, which would make it very tough for him to also be Nancy Pelosi, or or he's not very serious about the debt. Well, I, I guess um, this is this is this is where I'm I think it's back, fine. It's like, but you can be serious about the debt, but not like offer up a plan that single handedly solves it. You know, like I don't see why that's well, such a but big. I think that like, you have to. I mean, am I wrong? Like, because when I listen to him say that, I did not interpret him as saying like, "Hey guys, I solved the debt crisis. We're gonna get rid of all the debt and balance the budget with this plan I got." Like, I just got. I I just found it no, as like, I, a, "Hey, this is gonna help." I think there's a fundamental difference, right? I think this is what maybe we're getting at, Kyle, is that there's a. There's a difference between certain people who want to say that the debt is a very significant issue that needs to be solved yesterday and another group of people who have said, you know, the debt isn't as big of an issue. It's about can we afford to carry the debt? Can we do these kind of things? You know, whatever that that split is. And I think maybe I'm wrong, Kyle, but I think you're talking about just answering that basic question. Like, do we need to deal with the debt? And is this waste spending an issue about dealing with the debt or is it just about cutting government waste? Like, what is the... What is it happening here? Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth that aren't true, but no, no, I think that is true, and I, and I think that if a Republican candidate was to bring John Ossoff's accountability plan to a debate, if he or she was to get attacked in a Republican primary by fellow Republicans, I would say that those attacks are justified because I don't think that in the long term this is a serious proposal to actually bring down the federal debt. Now, I think a big difference between liberals and conservatives is that liberals might say that we should not actually prioritize bringing down the debt over safety net programs that are important to low-income people, and that if we actually need to be serious about bringing down the debt, which is a debate in economics on the left, um, that you need to do it in a way that actually requires more wealthy people to shoulder more of that burden. Um, but I think that what is telling in that answer is, is John Ossoff really as conservative as he attempts to be, or is he more in line with what you know most Democrats think about the debt? And I think if you're a Republican in this race, that's an important question to answer. I don't know. Um, for the question that I think Karen should answer, I just want to know... I would ask Karen this. Who are you going to vote for? We elect you to Congress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I think, uh, Karen, we elect you to Congress. We re-elect you to Congress. You have four, maybe six years in Congress. At the end of those six years, what have you And what office are you running for? What are you going to do for the district? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when is your campaign for Senate or president? Um, I think we don't like Karen Handel, Yeah, that's what I would ask Karen. (laughs) <laughs> as i said at the top i think uh the bias will come through in this discussion um which is fine we all have it um but i think i don't know i don't know if there's any better questions to answer yours luke about which questions yeah you'd i ask mean them. Um, what what do you think her answer would be kyle it's hard like, like i think that's a great question actually i'm sorry i'm sorry to be like so like injecting so much levity but i actually really like that question it is a good question i well i think her answer would probably go right to repealing and replacing Obamacare and and bringing down all of the, what she would argue are are terrible business stifling, job crushing regulations from the Obama administration. You'll note that both of those answers include Barack Obama in them. And so I don't think that they're very forward looking. (laughs) And she would finally Um, get rid of Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that might, <laughs> there's some Democrats that would believe that would be an accomplishment. But um, no, I think that I would be more impressed with her. And, and yeah, we are, I think we are, all three of us, pretty biased against Karen. I don't, I think I would find her more impressive if she was just a little more assertive about actually running on the ideas that she believes in. And if she came out and said, I would like to repeal Obamacare, but I would like to replace it with a healthcare system that is modeled after what they do in Singapore or some other, you know, more free market entity, and then sort of lay out what some of the principles are in that, or lay out some of the principles of what you know, some of the deregulatory policies that she'd like to pursue are, I mean, if there was actually any substance behind it, I would be a little bit more respectful of that answer. Um, I mean, there was no, but I think there's no substance in anything she did. (laughs) That was, that was my frustration. Well, yeah. And I think, but I think that's actually a really big issue in terms of why Republicans are having a hard time pursuing their agenda is that they cannot get beyond legislating beyond talking points. And I would find her much more impressive as a candidate if she said, you know what, one of the things that I want to do for the Republican Party and the Republican majority in the House is actually get things done beyond talking points and then lay out what those things actually are so that we can judge her on those things when she is before the voters again. Yeah, I think we're expecting a lot out of the debate, though. I always expect way too much. I know. I I did too. And this is why I think I start to get disillusioned with them because I always want that and then it never happens. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'd like to see that kind of an answer too from from Ossoff as well. Like, what are you going to do? You know, you've never held political office. You're, you know, this relatively young guy. What are you going to do to change some of the culture? And what are you going to do to, you know, help out Georgia? And, And that's the questions they all should be answering all the time. But most of the time we get the the talking points. Not only just criticize Handle for it. I mean, I think Ossoff was more detailed in a lot of his stuff. I mean, even right off the bat, the it's like a yes or no question. I can't even remember what the question was. It was this yes or no question. He just went off like showing his knowledge on whatever the topic was, and they had to come back and be like, "Wait, what was your answer?" Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're going to stick to their scripts and anything, any question like that that's going to throw them off. I think we're just going to we're going to run right back to, you know, right back to the script and. And keep it up. I wish we had more of the, you know, what's the unpopular opinion you have? You know, what would, you know, what do you agree with the other side? You know, that kind of stuff. Well, I, I guess, but I guess they're never going to answer those I think questions. To, like put a nice little bow on my thoughts about this debate and my frustration with this campaign and with a lot of campaigns that we've seen is that like neither one of them sounded like a human being. And it's just like, we want people to sound like human beings. And that's very, very important. Yeah, they both definitely they definitely had their script. I wrote that down. I know Ossoff's we didn't really talk about it, but the outside money um, portion of it at the beginning, Ossoff definitely had his script because Handel pushed back on him that he had outside money and he would just write he said it almost word for word. Yeah. Exactly the same as Yeah, what, the, the the line that like all of his doing his average donation is fifty dollars and mm-hmm. and it was word for word the same. And I, I mean I wrote down like He's got his script on on the outside money, which, by the way, I thought was a that argument rang false for me on the Ossoff side was talking, criticizing the outside money and not not acknowledging that you're getting benefits from from PAC money as well. Karen Handel is getting to me. That was a silly mistake. That's true. It is true. But he didn't even say 
Because uh, you know, I, I was trying to be I'll critical push, of Ossoff yeah. as much as I could because I knew That's what I true. was going to agree with. But uh, I think trying to be critical of him there, he should have at least acknowledged, yes, I'm getting the benefit from it. You're getting a greater benefit, but I'm getting a benefit. And here's why we need to eliminate this kind of outside money. Yeah. Connect it back to the other just, issues. I know we're getting, yeah. we're trying to wrap up and we're, yes. we're opening up new discussions, <laughs> but but the point of that was saying he had his script too. They both had theirs. I liked Ossoff's script better <laughs> from style style and substance. I think the, the style of it too was better because I thought Oscar he was more nuanced. Script. New, yeah, he was more nuanced in a lot of it where, like I said, he didn't, he didn't jump to the, well, you're a conservative and this is what you think or this is what makes you conservatives bad or Republicans bad as much as as she did. So I think that the style of his script was better. But like you said, they didn't sound like human beings because they both had their, their canned lines. You know, they had it on their papers. They read it off the paper. They had it memorized, you know, whatever it was. It was the same thing. You could have said, you know, this is your answer to this. Press play. And then if it came back to it, we could have rewound and press play again. It would have been the exact same thing. And that's going to happen in these debates, which is, again, if somebody screws up, that's when it's going to be an interesting debate. Otherwise... They're going to have probably worked pretty hard at this, especially with how much money is coming in this and how many people are, are down here helping both of them. They're going to be, be prepared for this kind of debate, have the answers down, have the track down, and you're never really going to change from it. Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Talk like humans, y'all. We would love to hear it, if only so that we can make a more uh, interesting assessment of the debate next time. Uh, but Austin, thank you for joining us. Thank you. You got the new microphone, so we hope we'll hear from you more yeah, often. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Luke, as always, thank you for uh, being with us. You got fun times as always. <laughs> and we will talk to y'all again next week. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, you can share the show with a friend and go over to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. It really helps other people find our show. Our interns this week are Alana Pierce and Courtney Clark, and we will talk to you next week. Take care, y'all.